Hi folks, and welcome back to the South Pole Podcast. Today is June 24th, 2021, and we're here at the 13th annual South Pole Field Day and Cattle Auction. And I'm actually here with my co-host, Dole, and I'm going to ask him a couple of questions about his farming operation and his South Pole story. So, Dole, would you just give us a quick interview or introduction into who you are and a little bit about your farming operation? So, my name is Dole Unruh. I live in Georgia. Um, that's where we started farming cattle. I have a co-producer in South Carolina manages most of the cattle. We kind of trade back and forth, finish some beef. Um, both of us, Becky and I, are board members currently. And uh, I think that probably introduced myself. Okay, great. Well, let me ask you this. How did you first find out about the South Pole cattle breed? So it's kind of interesting, and I, I recently made a few comments on one of the other podcasts that I was doing. Um, I started researching cattle, you know, as a kid. I kind of really forget when it started, when it ended, you know, and most of us are still researching because if you're not learning, you're getting stagnant, right? So as I would read about cattle and you would hear about people that had good cattle, good red angus, you know, a lot of different people, good herfords, um, I would hear about this Teddy Gentry guy that had been there. He would have ultrasounded and he bought the best or he bought half inches. He bought what he could. Finally, I got to the point where, you know, well, who is this Teddy Gentry? And in, in that time period, you know, of course, who hasn't run across Pharaoh cattle, the PCC genetics? Mm-hmm. And uh, with me being from Georgia so far from Colorado, I couldn't get a bull, but I found out there was a lady in Wetumpka, Alabama. She had one for sale. Went down there and picked it up. It was a quarter Hereford, three-quarter Black Angus, a beautiful black, white-faced bull. Um I'm, I'm still kind of fond of that bull in my mind because he was so docile you could walk him up, walk up to him in the pasture anywhere and rub him down, just gentle. Um, never, he, he was a little bit hard to load, but you could, you could put a little bit of feed on the front of the trailer, you know. That's kind of back in the day where I, I had a little bit of feed around and he would jump on. Well, just a side note on him, I was in a time frame where I kept all my heifers and uh, never really did have any of his heifers produce all that well. And so, um, as I was, you know, looking for phylogenetics, and then I, I called uh, Greg Judy one day, and I got Jan on the phone, and I asked her about some PCC stuff they had for sale, and she says, you know, she's telling me about it, and I'm asking her all these questions, and then I'm having this one other thought go through my head, well, if you're getting rid of these, why are you getting rid of them? She says, oh, we got South Pole, and we, we like them better. She, you know, she wasn't ugly, but she felt like they did better in their environment. And something in South Pole, hey, I've seen that ad in the Stockman Grass Farmer, so I start looking, you know, and they just were fixing to host their first field day, so I went to it, you know. That's how I found out about the South Pole. So very, very interesting to me. It's just, you know, it, it just kind of all happens, you know, and, and I guess all of us the same way. We run across an ad, we start looking, and boom. Yeah, you kind of just heard about the breed and started delving and researching. I think that's how a lot of people, they hear about it, and they maybe not have heard about the breed before, and then they do their own research on their end to try to find out more about the breed. So so going to that first field day, you know, that's probably the, the next segment of how or how did I find them. You know, I looked at them. They're beautiful. You know, everything's real new. They're, they're probably a little bit smaller than I expected. And at that time... Um, I think there's been more work done since then on the flushing ability. They weren't maybe quite as thick because here, 
I forget the time frame. I think maybe I had that PCC bowl, and he was huge. I mean, he was very, very thick. He was very, very short, you know, compact. He was right. I thought he was going to be perfect, but I saw what I liked here, you know, and then, then met some people, and Ralph Voss, you know, great guy. He kept coming by. You, you'll find them Voss South Poles. If you're familiar with the with the bunch of us, you'll 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 know who he is. But he kept coming by, and he was a great. Uh, he pushed the breed, and became a friend of mine. He would come by and say, "Well, Doris, I think in your environment you'll like some of their characteristics." I'm like, yeah, Ralph, I, I think so. And he said, he'd come by again, you know. We'd talk, and he'd just be nice, and and he'd say, "Well, I think you're gonna like the heat tolerance and the insect resistance. I think you need it in Georgia." Never really pushed it on me, but just encouraged me, and you know it worked out. So, so Joel, why South Poles? Why do you? Why, what drew you to them, and why do you still use them in your operation today? So I think, you know, this was 15 years ago, roughly. Um, I was expanding in the cattle operation. You know, acquiring cattle. Actually, that was shortly after I got married. We were building a herd. Um, I was buying short-framed cattle, you know, small-framed cattle, big gut, you know, the whole thing, you know, because I'd been doing my studying as a single boy on, on what kind of farming I wanted to do, and I kind of had my mind mindset where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, just hadn't really, you know, started to do it on my own. So um, we were acquiring cattle, and uh, I had kind of decided that I really, I read a lot of pharaoh cattle stuff, and so... I liked his philosophies. I said, well, I'll try to get a bull. And as I mentioned earlier, um, somewhere in there, I was running across this Teddy Gentry guy, and very thankful to him, by the way. Um, and so when I called Jan, you know, then somewhere along there, I, I, I found that PCC bull, but I also ran across the South Pole Field Day ad, and that was the first one. So we went to that one, and this was another thing, as a, as a young farmer starting out, you know, I'm looking at these seminars for 300, 500, 1,000. I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I'd love to go, but I can't do it. Well, the field day is offered at that time was like $35, $50. I mean, it's still $50, I think, at 85 at the gate. You know, for what I felt like for the first several years, what I could go and potentially learn, it was a no-brainer. So I went, and it was a no-brainer. It was well worth every dollar I spent travel-wise, everything started seeing more of the cattle, getting to talk to the people. Um, I remember being in the back of one of those crowds. It was actually a pasture walk that Greg Judy was leading. And I'm back there talking to Dr. Alan Williams, uh, lives around Starkville somewhere. And Teddy worked with him, you know, at University of Mississippi, and they were studying cattle, you know, doing the, the how long did it take them to leave the head gate and go 10 feet. And the ones that traveled the distance, the fastest, were the, tended to be the toughest, the ones that, you know, stuck their head out and one foot and ambled and slowly walked out, those tended to be more tender. Hmm. And we still see that. Yeah. Um, and so it's things like that, talking there with Dr. Alan Williams, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, sometimes I can be kind of critical, pessimist, pessimistic, whatever, and I'm saying, well, you know, this, I don't like this, I don't like this. He says, yeah, but there's a lot of things I like about it, you know. And kind of hearing those those opinions maybe pushed me over the edge, so I already had a PCC bull. Um, had met Jay Miller there, and then of course Ralph Foss coming by and, and keep bugging me about, you know, he thought that this would work well for me in Georgia. Well, it has. It's worked well in South Carolina as well. Um, 
South Carolina, actually, where they're at right now currently is probably a little tougher environment just because it's drier, sandier soil. They don't have the fertility in the grass, so right. it reflects on the cattle, but they're doing fine. Um, so I ended up buying eight heifers from Jay Miller, and uh, that's another interesting story. He pinned them in Chattanooga, you know, early in the morning. By the time I get out there, we look at them. First, we tour the farm, you know, look at different cattle. Then we go sort out the heifers. I go home. This is, it's hot coming through Atlanta. I mean, it is hot. My truck's overheating, you know, and, you know, on the uphill, it's mm -hmm. cooling off. So it's, it's not like we got stuck in traffic, but the heifers were out of water the entire day. And I dropped them off about 50 to 100 feet in front of a pond. And I'm thinking, first thing they're going to do, you know, they're going to go to the pond and get a drink. No, I have a lane built to the pond, but they jump the hot wire and they run to the woods. Okay, they're not mean or mad or anything. They just run to the woods. I'm like, oh my, they're my heifers just went and, you know, they're gone. And I go to the woods and they're lying down, just laying there, just just chilling. I mean, it's like, it's like really, y'all aren't thirsty? You know, yeah, you, right. you've had no water. And so then I remember I found later that the Barzonas have been known to go, you know, a day or two traveling in between water. So some of this hardiness, you know, comes from them, definitely. Um, it's just things like that, watching them. So I had a collection of the small frame, you know, cattle already, and I was always keeping my heifers, and they just, they just were, they just always performed great. That's great. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So are there any more stories that you have of your South Poles that are doing something that you kind of found unexpected? Yeah. Uh, one comes to mind, and there may be a couple more as I talk, but, so I made a mistake. Um, we, in Georgia, there's a lot of, there has been a lot of unused land, but it's in smaller parcels. And so I was working with another guy and we said, you know what, rather than going and checking six, eight, 10 different pastures every day, we're gonna put the herd together, do the mob effect. Mm -hmm. When we get done with the pasture, we'll pull them off, rest it, which recovery by recovery period, by the way, is probably one of the most important things in your grazing period program. And uh, we pulling them off, we're setting to a new pasture. So we did that. And I just happened to ride through that pasture a couple days later. I don't remember. The story's on the website. We wrote a newsletter article about it at the time. Um, I'm just riding along and a calf pops up in front of me. Oh, gosh. And so I realized then that I did make a bad, bad mistake because it's, yeah. it's obviously a fairly fresh calf because it was hiding out. Mm -hmm. And I had a hard time catching it, had a hard time panting it, putting it in a goat tote. Um, took it and dropped it off with the cows. And uh, that was the end of it. She took to it. Just found right? its mom, claimed it. I mean, it was awesome on the cow side. Um, but I thought maybe even more awesome on the calf side because the way I recall, it was one to three days. You know, it was, it was yeah. pushing that envelope of how long can the calf survive? Because, again, summertime, there was shade, but we picked up the water trough and we picked up mama's milk. So the calf had nothing. It was terrible. But it is an amazing story of the stamina of the calf. Now, maybe every calf can do it. I don't know. We're not going to study this kind of thing. But it's still kind of cool. How did that calf end up later on in the season? Did it seem well and healthy when you guys ended up weaning them? Never. You couldn't, couldn't really tell. Couldn't really tell. Yeah. I mean, never noticed it. Okay. I, I don't really know. Yeah. You know, it just, it just never missed a lick. And it, that would kind of be my overall um, impression of the cow. Even if you make a few mistakes, they're forgiving. You know, they're just, they're not a magic bullet, 
they're not perfect you're still gonna have problems you'll just probably have way fewer and if you're a small producer you know 10 15 20 head you may never have a problem you may not have a problem for a while or you may have beginner's luck and the you know the first one you have to pull but there again um, I was working a day job at the time and we didn't have time to live out there with our cattle, pulling right. cattle, pulling, you know, checking them all night long. We let our heifers calve up unassisted. In the morning, we had calves. You know, now we did watch them. You know, you see the signs. We'd pay attention, but we didn't live with them. Right. And I feel like that's why a lot of the producers, especially not just South Pole, but a lot of beef producers, they have a full-time day job, and they farm on the side, and they can't be there every five seconds. So... We want a cow that can take care of calving on her own, unassisted, and do it well. Well, another story, uh, I was in a farm store one day, and they said, oh, it's so hot, you know, cattle aren't breeding. I said, huh, we had our best breeding percentage ever that year, you know, and it just, yeah. they don't mind the heat. So, I've been impressed. It's been great. So, Joel, what are your products? What do you produce every year? What's, what's your market? So, we've been primarily building a herd, and being there's two of us kind of working off the same herd. Um, you know, we're, we're keeping most of the females. That's not a problem getting rid of those. Um, I've also had a few, you know, you always have your close friends, your family members, you know, that sort of deal. You, you lose a few here and there. Um, anything, any heifer that I feel like wouldn't be performing, those go as beef, of course. And uh, the steers, you know, go to beef. And we've, we've made a few mistakes. You know, you have a bum year or whatever, and, you know, something ends up at the sale barn because it just doesn't work out. Of course, that happens, but... We do try to kill most everything as beef. That sounds kind of coarse, but that's what we're in. We're in the beef business. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today and uh, sharing a little bit about your South Pole story. Really appreciate it. And uh, folks, if you are listening and want to get more involved with the South Pole or learn a little bit more about this breed, you can visit our website at southpole.com. We also have a Facebook page. It's South Pole Grass Cattle Association. We also have a really great South Pole uh, group on Facebook. It's the Facebook um, South Pole Forum, and there's a lot of great conversation going on there. If you have any questions, you can ask um, there, and one of the board members or other people, just members who have South Poles, will give you their opinions. But if you want to reach out to us, if your own questions, please don't hesitate to email us, give us a call, and uh, visit our website. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you.